In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by Abby. To support their investment in groundbreaking research that advanced blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Get the popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill. What's up? Welcome in Hogan Johns with you. Hope everyone enjoyed Memorial Day weekend safely. Hopefully you weren't in the uh, Lake of the Ozarks or Lake Havasu, Arizona or anything like that. Um, Welcome in. We're all safe and sound. And for the first time since this whole pandemic started, we can see each other right now. This is weird, guys. I don't know why Kevin's wearing a hat. Actually, what's I, the I just, purpose of wearing a hat? In, I just in came this in from a Zoom from, meeting from a walk, but I will take the head off. My wife I put it back my, on. Put it back on. My wife on. cut my hair this weekend, and she did a phenomenal job. Took a long time. Mm, <laughs> took probably about a minute and a half. Well, there's a certain part on the top of my head that she didn't have to worry about, but the rest really needed to to take get taken care of. So I'm feeling good. Feeling right. lighter. Nice polish. Up top. John, you look like you had a haircut at some point. No, no, no. Actually, no? I'm scheduled coming up here, guys. It is the, the rules lighting up here in Chicago. Oh, you already, uh, you're oh, going yeah. for a oh, real yeah. deal. Oh, yeah. I yeah. thought you had to schedule it with your wife. Adam, the debate in the John's household is whether to keep the the partial flow we have going. Not like you, who's you just got a haircut, like, looks like this morning. But, uh, yeah. yeah it's a Did it? Did it myself. Debate. Yeah, I don't buy that, but you're sneaking around, that's for sure. So no, we'll, this we'll see is what all, we do with the air. This is all myself with my a small assist from my wife on the back, just to make sure everything's all good. So uh, we're all looking good, guys. Uh, welcome in. This is the Hogan Johns Podcast. You hear the voices of Adam Johns, Kevin Fishbane, and myself, Adam Hogue. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S, Fishbane, the Fishman at K Fishbane. Welcome in. Uh, you should be listening to us, subscribing, and reading the Athletic. Johns has once again gone off and written about the Blackhawks. I think he gets confused sometimes, I but do. every time he does it, it's really, really good. So we're going to touch on that in a little bit. And it's when everybody logs off and logs back on when we talk Packers. I think later in this podcast, right? Talk more hockey. Stop talking hockey. Stick we'll to in. football. We'll get into all that. Uh, and you guys have a good Memorial Day weekend. I hope I did. Yeah, it felt as as normal as it could have been without socializing. Yeah, with people. I saw my nephew for the first time in months, so that was great. Did safe. you got out, you got out on the water, Hoger? Actually, did not because the lakes are closed right now because of all that rain we got last week. Wait, Especially. so that picture you sent is fraudulent? Which one? You sent a picture of a beer on the lake, so you just that sat was two on the weeks boat? ago. Okay, oh. that, that was two weeks ago, and my karma of me rubbing that in your face has led to us getting two feet of water to the point where they had to close 
the lake. So the la- you guys get the last laugh, okay, essentially. Good, good. Yeah. good. Uh, I'm sorry about the two feet of water, but good. <laughs> well, it's just, I mean, it's still in the lake. It's not like it's in my basement. Like my but. basement. Okay, touche. <laughs> I lose. But uh, it was enough to, uh, the, the pier took a, a little bit of a beating. Anyway, that's not why you're here. Uh, w- welcome in. We have some things we, we need to talk about here. And um, w- one of them, surprisingly, um, not sure we're ever going to talk about Kevin White again. But here we are. And uh, there is some Kevin White discussion because our, our friend and colleague, J.J. Stankovitz uh, at NBC Sports Chicago, um, had a long conversation with Kevin White. Uh, it was a good get by him. And it was an interesting conversation that, uh, I guess, just in general to start, what was your guys' takeaways here? Yeah, I For one thing, I give J.J. a lot of credit because we know... It, Kevin White, I was, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today. The w- w- way we saw Kevin White on the field and off the field in spring 2015, we never saw that again. Because once the first injury happened, you know, we he was a different guy. We didn't get to see him on the field. He, he was obviously very reticent talking to us. Um, he was painted with the bus label early on. So it was nice that JJ got him to open up and talk about the frustration of all the injuries. Um, I, I think the most n- maybe newsworthy pieces were the way he described 2018 made it seem like he believed what he was doing at practice was enough to earn playing time, and it just wasn't enough for Matt Nagy. I'll say this, guys. you know, Throughout that season, I don't think any of us were sitting there being told or thinking that he should be on the field instead of Taylor Gabriel or anybody else. Um, we didn't get to watch the full practices once the season started, so... You know, but obviously he that that that's kind of the what what he believed. So you know, I, I look, I credit him for being outspoken about it and feel comfortable talking about it. Um, but I, I'm not sure anybody sitting here sitting in Hallis Hall thinking, man, we probably should have played Kevin White more often in 2018. I tried remembering, like I went looking for my notes and looking up, you know, old Google form notes, you know, Google Doc notes and stuff from that that training camp and. I, Yes, he started behind the proverbial eight ball because you had Al Robinson sign, a lot of money. Taylor Gabriel sign, a lot of money. Anthony Miller, second-round pick. There was an investment made at his position. So I I do remember thinking at training camp that year, like, we need to be impressed by Kevin White. Not, Not just, like, every now and then, but consistently every single day. And I remember, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, like, but but that did not happen. I don't. Rec- I recall maybe a couple, like these are why I was looking for my notes. Like a couple of highlight reel plays during training camp, where like, oh, there he is. But they were so few and far between that you, you knew he was hard pressed to make that team, even though he was going to be, you know, like even though he had like a secure roster spot, just because given his history with pace and the draft status and whatnot. But yeah, I, I thought, like Kevin said, just in terms of newsworthiness, like his conversations with Nagy, I thought were interesting. Um, did he use the words checked out as well? You yeah. never like hearing that from a player. You know, maybe that's why things you know fell out with the Bears. But yeah, interesting, good get from our, our friend JJ. Yeah, it, I'm gonna have a kind of a follow up column tomorrow on NBC Sports Chicago with sort of my own reporting and um, look back at what happened in 2018. Because look, Kevin White from day one, the the night the Bears drafted him at the was it the Roosevelt Theater downtown uh that because that draft was in chicago what was the name of that oh was that uh, roosevelt university roosevelt university yeah um from the that first night um to the next day when i think we all had opportunities to talk to him and then you know throughout his career he's a great kid absolute great kid teammates loved him uh you know i think the coaches liked him but i i kind of look at 2018 differently than than he did in that interview i i just um you know, we could talk about the contracts, but to me, he was it really in a, a, a huge prove-it situation after three straight years of injuries. And I went back and looked at my own notes, which I found from OT, <laughs> o, OTAs. I'm in, just in, losing all. I'm taking L's left and right here, Fishbane man. <laughs> in 2018, um, where I was questioning how good he was even looking in OTAs back then. 
Um, I, 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 did, I didn't think that he was playing that well. And then I wrote in one of my 10 Bear Sings column in August of that year, I think it was after one or two preseason, preseason games that he we're still waiting for him to show anything, really, you know, even in camp, to show that he should be a starter. And then the fact that we all remember that touchdown he had against the Chiefs in that third preseason game, which was technically the fourth preseason game because they played in the Hall of Fame game that year, um, was a great route and a great play. And it was like the first time we had ever seen anything like that. But the problem was he was playing in that game because none of the starters were playing in that game, but he was playing in that game. So that was actually a first sign that he was in trouble. And there, if I remember right, guys, there was almost a chance that he wouldn't make the team. And yet there he was, and he was on the team. So I don't... I just if he was really playing as well as he was, as he kind of said he was in that interview, I feel like why wouldn't he have been on the field? Yeah, yeah I, think I, about think about how bad, not bad, but how much the offense needed at times an explosive weapon, a guy in the red zone. You know, I always people I'd say every single week when we tweeted the inactives, I'd get people being like, "Why isn't Kevin White active?" I said, "Well, if he's showing something." that tells the Bears staff that he can contribute, of course they're going to make him active because this offense just needs, still needs more help. Um, you know, but we always knew it was going to be a bit of a misfit with you know Matt Nagy's scheme so focused on being a really crafty route runner, which was never Kevin White's forte. And one thing, Hogue, talking about the, the day he was drafted the next day, I remember rookie minicamp 2015. He was incredible. And I actually found Dan Pompey tweeted, um, from that rookie minicamp, I found this on my time hop a couple weeks ago, but it was one of the best, if not the best receiver he had ever seen in person at a Bears rookie minicamp. I mean, that was the be- that might be probably the best Kevin White ever was uh, in the NFL. And then obviously the injuries happened right there and then. And it's, a, it's a sad story. But yeah, I mean, when I look at the Kevin White story, I don't really think about 2018 very much even though he was healthy, because there was never a point where we were thinking that, you know, oh, we sat next to each other in the press box. Every time Kevin White was in the field, we kind of noticed it. And J.J. mentioned that in the story, it was almost always a running play. Yeah, yeah. I felt like he did a lot of blocking, right? Even on quick yeah. screens and whatnot, because he was the larger guy. Um, you had Taylor Gabriel and Tariq Cohen, whose roles increased in Matt Nagy's offense. I'm glad you brought up OTAs, Adam, because I, I have this vivid memory. Fitting outside... Uh, and the first practice field of Hallis Hall, the one right next to the actual building itself, where a bunch of us are waiting for Kevin White, right? And Mr. Trubisky is finishing up his own interview. And a lot of us leave part of Trubisky to go talk to Kevin White. And when Trubisky is, is leaving, he's like yelling support in Kevin White. Like, there we go, Kev. Like, like you could see the the connection that maybe he's developing with his his new teammates and a guy that, you know, the Bears absolutely loved at the time in Mitch Trubisky. And then I remember the interview just seemed to get ornery, right? It seemed to take another turn. That was a very uncomfortable press conference. I remember that very well, John. Yes, it was like 20 yards off the actual, like it was on the field. It was actually 20 yards away from the actual building. And I remember the the awkwardness and the like there there were smiles as his as Trubisky tried to joke around with him like the new face of the team was joking around with him but then here's Kevin White and the the interaction like that was my last vivid memory of an interaction with Kevin White and then you, you have the story so I'm glad JJ got him to open up over Zoom like this for an hour he, he was in his car which is interesting like there's got to be a lot of I'm sure there's so much so much there that it can't even be contained into one story. But yeah, it's interesting to, to recollect on that 2018 season. And like you knew the Bears had to reload that position, right? Like Kevin White had to know they were going to reload that position after he was hurt and Cam Meredith were hurt in 2017. Like they needed to find weapons for their offense and their new coach. Like you almost wonder, like, what did you think was going to happen that offseason in terms of team building? Well, and, and the thing is, is I remember going that year like, okay, well, he's finally healthy. We're going to really be able to see if he can play. Um, and I just, I remember having these moments in training camp that year where I'm like, he's just not getting open a lot. Like I just waiting for him to make some wild plays and it just wasn't happening. There maybe was one here or there, but it wasn't stacked day on day. And so... Um, I don't know. I just I, I I remember thinking in 2018 the only thing that was ever surprising at any point in that season was the game in Buffalo where Allen Robinson was out with injury and Kevin White was inactive. 
And that was a story that week because it's like, whoa, Kevin's not even active now. Um, that was kind of... And then, John's what you mentioned with the part about him admitting he checked out, that seems to be when that happened. And, you know, I think it's actually, you know, commendable for Kevin White to admit that, that that happened. Um, but so I, I, it was interesting. Like, that was it. Like, like he knew his yeah. time was done. The Bears acknowledged his time was gone. It, it's, I guess you could say it's kind of similar to, like, Kyle Long looking back at his career, like in the Dan Pompey story, like almost saying that he wished he, he worked out a bit, a little bit more and, and took being a professional athlete a little bit more seriously in the, the fitness part of things. Like, the, there's always going to be regret for a lot of these guys. But, like, that was it for Kevin White. That, that was the moment. That, that was, like, his, his final chance with the team, like, had been completed. They were going to move on. Yeah, uh, we're gonna check in on the Green Bay Packers here. Come up with Matt Schneidman, who's been on the podcast uh, before. Try to figure out what's going on with Aaron Rodgers, and that might be something we'll we'll kind of do here coming up in the in the next couple of months, looking f- ahead to Bears opponents in in 2020. Um, but we did tease this uh, Blackhawks thing that John's wrote, which I enjoyed because of all the Blackhawks. You know, basically from the last decade, the Blackhawks stuff that was awesome. Not, there's nothing I got into more, and I got to cover some of this. Certainly not at the level you did, John's being there every day. But some of the playoff series, especially against Vancouver, yeah. it was so fun being around those games. And I specifically have this memory of interviewing, being part of a scrum interviewing one of the Sedin twins in one of the series. They all run together at this point, um, where. He's just like basically talking crap right in the to the reporter's microphones about the Blackhawks. And it was just sort of this back and forth. And those locker rooms aren't far apart at the United Center either. When, and this was just on a practice day. Rarely do you hear the trash talking like go through the media during the off days in between the series. But this is what was going on. So it was so fun to hear and hear and read this oral uh, history that you put together on the Blackhawks Canucks rivalry. It, it wasn't sanitized. It, it, it was real. And, and you guys know this complaint so often today. These athletes just cliche after cliche. You know, basically no commenting things. But you did not get that whatsoever in the Canucks Blackhawks rivalry. Like they wanted to give it back to each other. Like God knows what they were saying on the ice. Probably. 100% worse than what they, they were saying on air or, or in print, but I enjoyed going back and hearing some of the stories. Like I, I really enjoyed getting on the phone with uh, Kevin BX and Ryan Kessler, especially to, to hear their take on things, you know, like, like who they looked out for and, and what certain moments meant to them. Uh, Ryan Kessler had some, let's call them very real quotes in just terms of being a professional athlete, like the tenacity that it takes. Um, so if you haven't read it yet, you know, please check that out. But just in terms of Chicago sports history, like that is one of the the best like rivalries I, I, I can think of. Like we all watched Last Dance and, the, you know, talking about the Pistons and all that stuff and Michael Jordan versus everyone. But in terms of recent Chicago sports history, there, there isn't more of a lightning rod team that I can remember than the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I love the Johnsy. I actually tweeted it twice already uh, this morning. I know you're and, such a good uh, teammate. It, you know, it, it's so to keep, keep a scoreboard here. He <laughs> does. He does. There's like a tally somewhere. It's so great because you know, as a fan, you want to know the names of the guys in your team. And I feel like the NHL, if you're not a diehard NHL fan, sometimes it's hard to know some of the guys. But everyone in Chicago knew the Sedin brothers. They knew Luongo. They knew Kessler. Uh, they knew Burroughs. Like these were guys we were following year after year after year, and you capture that um and and i love the stuff from burrish and bolin and what's great is how much that rivalry lasts like these guys still have these angry memories um but also uh, admit they'd get a beer with each other nine ten years later um so it it, it was a it was a fun read and i might even tweet it a third time oh the ultimate teammate the ultimate it's 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 fun to look back i miss the hate I, i miss rivalries like that like the pistons bad boys you know like the the it just makes sports more fun. Is is that probably the simplest and best way to put it? Oh, rivalries are yeah, absolutely. Like, but uh, the hate though, forget the friendly, you know, rivalries. I want these guys to actually not like each other, and the the emotions are, are more clear and obvious, in, in the tenacity, and in, in the the excitement. 
Well, here, here's my favorite quote that I still agree with all these years later. And uh, Brian Campbell could not have said it better in your story. He said, quote, I think we'll all agree. There is nothing better than seeing Ryan Kessler get hit. A hundred percent. I'd like to see it today. You know, like, <laughs> and, and I appreciated hearing like they, they both, they still like BX and, and uh, Kessler still, you know, they, they sent some zingers right back at the Hawks. You know, here I am trying to relay certain things. It felt like the good old days going from locker room to locker room where you knew you could always get great stuff and, and they were ready and willing to provide it. You didn't even have to work for it. They were just ready to go to give you some, some fodder for the other team to read. All right. Uh, well, you can find that on The Athletic, Adam Johns's lengthy uh, verbal history, uh, oral history. Let's get it right. Oral history of the Blackhawks-Canucks rivalry. And he was there for it. So uh, definitely worth checking out on The Athletic, The Athletic app. And again, if you're not subscribed, uh, there's no reason not to be. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you can do that. All right. We're going to talk some Packers coming up. Check in on what's going on with the, uh, I don't know, Aaron Rodgers situation. Where's this all going to go this year? It's going to be very, very interesting up north. But first, we need to talk about our friends at Hawthorne. And I don't know if you know this, Adam Johns, but smelling good is really important. (laughs) Especially at this time of year, my friend, where it's a little more humid in Chicago. It's sticky or sweaty. I don't know about you, my friend, but... My favorite cologne as a kid, and I absolutely loved it, I thought I was such a badass, was the Michael Jordan cologne. You know, like with the rumors that actual Jordan sweat was in it, I felt invincible, just like Mike. I I think those rumors existed because it it really did not smell that good, Johnsy. (laughs) I mean, I think they they really should have gone into this in the last dance. in fact, it probably did, and Michael Jordan nixed it, is what I'm guessing. Um, but we got a, a a perfect gift for Father's Day, and there's a quiz you can take to figure out what type of Hawthorne cologne you need. It's so easy. So here's how it works. You, you take this quick two-minute quiz. Hawthorne tells you what two colognes are best for you, one for work and one for play. You got to like that, right, Adam? So it's totally risk-free, has free shipping, and has free returns. And here's what you do. You check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com, Hawthorne.co. And use our promo code BEARS to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co. And use promo code BEARS to get 10% off your first purchase, hawthorne.co. All right, well, let's do this. It's uh, time to check in on those guys up north. The Green Bay Packers have had an interesting couple months, certainly an interesting draft with uh, the decision to use the first round pick, trading up to get Jordan Love and... Not only that, but not really spending too much time giving Aaron Rodgers weapons the rest of the draft either. It's been an interesting offseason up in Green Bay, so we bring in Matt Schneidman. You've heard him here on the Hogan Johns podcast before he covers the Green Bay Packers for the athletic part of the great coverage you get here on the athletic. Athletic, Matt, what's up, man? A lot has changed. A lot has changed. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on again. We're doing good. Yeah. We are good, and we... we we want to know what the feeling is right now. Uh, I know you guys had a chance to talk to Aaron. Was that a little over a week ago now, a week and a half ago or something like that? I thought he handled that well, um, showing both some understandable honesty, um, but not crossing any lines either at the same time. Where, where do things stand right now with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I don't know if the relationship between him and, and Brian Gutekunst, the general manager, or Matt LaFleur is necessarily damaged. I just think he's a little personally hurt that they would make this pick with so many years left on his contract, obviously four years left. I wouldn't say he led them to the NFC Championship game, but he played a big role in getting them there, led the league in touchdown-to-interception ratio last year. And he said it himself. He was surprised. The pick caught him by surprise because Gutekunst discussed personnel matters with him uh, this offseason prior to the draft, but never the possibility of drafting a quarterback. And and we always kind of joke that, you know, they would draft Jordan Love, they would draft Tua if he fell, you know, they would draft Jalen Hurts, but never did we think it was an actual 
possibility. And, and Aaron said, look, uh, I'm not going to say I was thrilled with the pick. And, and that mainly comes from his belief that he still has plenty left in the tank. And people who say, oh, but what you shouldn't be surprised, this is exactly what they did with him when Brett Favre was on the team. That's not really the case because in 2003 and 2004, Favre was kind of hinting at retirement before they took Rodgers in 2005. And Jordan Love was not what Aaron Rodgers was in that draft. Rodgers was arguably the best player in that draft and plummeted to them. Jordan Love did not plummet to them, wasn't the best. What well, wasn't the, If Joe Burrow had fell to them and they'd taken Joe Burrow, that could be a comparable situation. But I think where things stand with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, um, it'll take some time for him to maybe – uh, get back to, to feeling normal here. Um, and those aren't his words. Those are mine. But I think we also could see a, a little bit of a pissed off Aaron Rodgers with something to prove this season that he's still got it, which would obviously work in the Packers' favor. What if like, there's a bunch of injuries at, at receiver or the, the tight ends don't work out? I, I'm going to throw a hypothetical at you. you know, I think Chicago knows very well what a pissed off Aaron Rodgers can do. But let's... Let's say the the pissed offedness is that a word? I don't know. Like goes go, goes elsewhere, and you know Devonta Adams has to miss a couple games, and he feels like he, he's working with less, and th- those feelings come back. Like, how do you see this playing out during the season? When we all know, you know, seasons, good and bad, have a lot of ebbs and flows to them. It's going to be interesting because this storyline of love and Rogers and the weapons isn't going away anytime soon. If the Packers start and three and, you know, people start getting on Rogers, he could get more pissed off and, you know, distance himself from the organization a little bit through not saying stuff himself. Cause he doesn't normally do that, but you know, through certain media members and whatnot. Um, I think when talking about the weapons, it's important to look back to last year um, Devontae Adams missed four games from weeks five to eight with turf toe. And during that time, the Packers went four and oh and ranked second in the league with 32 points per game. You know, they don't need him to do well. And that was with Jimmy, your guys, uh, I should say the bears guy, Jimmy Graham at tight end, you know, he's really... Kevin's guy. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not exactly the dynamic tight end Aaron Rodgers needs. So while they, while they certainly could benefit from more weapons, you know, uh, they've shown that they're not doomed if they do lose Devontae Adams. But going back to your point, Adam, I think if things start going uh, haywire a little bit and they lose a close game here and there and they have an injury and Rodgers gets banged up, things could could go south. Because Rodgers' point now is, yeah, you drafted Jordan Love, but I'm still here. I'm still good. We still have a good team who made the NFC Championship game last year. But if that plan, that format kind of goes astray – we could see that pissed off Aaron Rodgers comes out. And as you guys very well know, when he's pissed off, he lets people know. He does not hide it. And I think with a really young team, if he starts going at guys, then then that could maybe damage things a little bit. And, and what, by all accounts, was a really good locker room culture and chemistry last year. Matt, I picture every Bears fan has like a tearaway calendar of days until Jordan Love becomes the starting quarterback of the Packers so this Aaron Rodgers era can end. So at some point, Jordan Love is going to start a game for in the Packers uniform against the Bears. Um, from your research, from who you've talked to, what's kind of your assessment of him and why the Packers you know, made them like him? He specifically was the one that the Packers identified as kind of quarterback of the future. Right. Well, first... I'm still not totally sold that he's guaranteed to ever start a game for the Packers. For some reason, I have this feeling that they, that Brian Gutekunst just feels, I think that backup quarterback might be the most second, the, the second most important position on his team. Um, and truly he just wants to have the best insurance policy in the NFL. That that's just a hunch I have. So, you know, worst case scenario, Aaron Rodgers keeps playing really well and they trade him for a third or fourth round pick in a couple of years. Do I think that's going to happen? No, I think he will start, you know, in 2022, but um, I think they took him because they're intrigued by, by the risk reward he offers in people. I talked to, I talked to a bunch of his former teammates and coaches from Utah state and they keep saying Patrick Mahomes. I'm not anywhere near ready to draw that comparison yet, but the reason that name comes up is because he has the mobility. He has the big arm. He likes to take risks, but the accuracy just isn't there compared to Mahomes. I mean, Jordan Love threw 36 touchdowns, 32 touchdowns and six interceptions in 2018 as a redshirt sophomore, and then 20 touchdowns and 17 interceptions as a redshirt junior. 
but in all the people I've talked to, in excluding him, um, they say, you know, the entire coaching staff left mainly for Texas Tech. And the only guy left on the coaching staff was the graduate assistant who signaled plays to him from the sideline at Utah State. And the only starting offensive player who came back was his left tackle. So there were nine new starters. So there was a lot of new getting used to, but still some blame lies on Jordan Love. I think what intrigued the Packers still with those uh, that decline in numbers was his arm strength, his ability to make plays on the run. And I think they saw a little bit of Mahomes in him. They're not going to say that because, you know, obviously that's an extremely lofty comparison to make, but with two, maybe three years to develop those traits in him, I think they thought he was too good to pass up. So let me ask you this, Matt. Um, the, the schedule is interesting at the beginning. Road games at Minnesota and at New Orleans in the first three weeks with a home game against the Lions sandwiched in there. So some of the things we were talking about earlier earlier about you know kind of where Rodgers relationship is with these guys and getting pissed off whether that could be a good or a bad thing these guys are going to be tested early I mean one and two certainly isn't out of the question uh, to, to start the season do you think you'll have a pretty good idea of where this is headed uh, at least in 2020 early on in this season because it just seems like with the tension that maybe that could snowball either in a positive or negative direction very quickly in September no doubt. I, I think we'll have a pretty good idea of where the Packers are headed this season after that week three Sunday night game at New Orleans. Um, I think of last year when I uh, believe they were 8-2 and two going into San Francisco on Sunday night, or Santa Clara, I should say. The 49ers were 9-1, and one, and we said, all right, here's a great measuring stick for where the Packers stack up among the elites of the NFC, and the 49ers absolutely blew them out of the water. And then that belief was reinforced in the NFC championship game. The Packers just were never on the 49ers level. I think this could be a similar measuring stick in that are the Packers just a fortunate team that has enough to get by and have a really good record, or can they truly contend for that NFC championship? And I know the saints didn't make it last year. Um, They obviously lost to the Vikings, but I think this week three game at one of the toughest places to play in the NFL, that'll be a a real measuring stick. Um, And Aaron Rodgers said it himself last season. He said the gap is not far between us and the 49ers. And, you know, I'm lumping the Saints in there too. I think that could be a a good barometer for for where they are and whether what they've done this offseason is enough. And if it's not, and if they fall to one and two or they fall to two and one, um, or if they fall to 0-3 even. like They they didn't have a lead against the Detroit Lions in regulation last year. They won at the buzzer on on two field goals last year. So if they fall 0-3, 1-2, I think the the public outcry is going to be a lot in terms of we're at the same place as we were last year. Why don't we do enough in the offseason? Why don't we get a weapon? And then I think you might see a little frustration from Rodgers because he very well knows that his years here are numbered. And he said that to us. He said this pick – uh, reinforces the the adage that you can only control what you can control, and this pick probably means that my desire to finish my career at Packer may not be a reality at this point. Is is the word he used? How just to go off what you said, like how is that being handled in Green Bay? Like I, I'm all for the philosophy of of taking a quarterback every year, but when you trade up and draft one, and we got a quarterback who's very vocal about playing into his 40s. I'm curious, just just give us a little bit more into the, the visceral reaction, I, I guess, that, that maybe has played out up up in, you know, Brown County. Like, how, how are things in, in Green Bay right now? Like, how do the, the, the Packer fans feel about everything that's played out this offseason with their franchise? I mean, they're furious, not only because, like, it, if they didn't take a weapon, that's one thing, but it's what have you done for me lately in this league, and they allowed 285 rushing yards in the NFC championship game and 186 before contact. They didn't take a defensive tackle when, you know, two of their defense, three starting interior defensive linemen aren't very good. Uh, I hate to say that about Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lowry. I know there's some Northwestern bias on this podcast, (laughs) but, um, or an inside linebacker, you know, they signed Christian Kirksey in free agency from the Browns, but he's played only nine games the last two seasons because of injury. So not only did they not address what many viewed as their primary need at, at receiver, they didn't address what many viewed as their secondary need or their tertiary need. 
They took a guy who may not ever play a snap for them and definitely won't if health all goes right in that department uh, for the next two years, probably. So tensions are extremely high. Uh, there's a lot of frustration going around. And I think this is going to be extremely tricky for Matt LaFleur because, you know, from what I've heard, th- this was not a Matt LaFleur pick. I know there have been there's been some stuff out there about, you know, Matt LaFleur did this to not spite Aaron Rodgers, but he was tired of his act. This was Brian Gutekunst's pick. Brian Gutekunst is in charge. You know, when I cover the Raiders, John Gruden was in charge there. He has a lot more say than most head coaches do. Brian Gutekunst is the general manager in charge. This was not Matt LaFleur's pick, but it's going to be tricky for LaFleur to kind of navigate Rodgers' feelings, not lose him, while also developing the quarterback of the future. So tricky waters to navigate for both the fan base and, and the coaching staff who kind of has to make the best of this situation. You know, Matt, uh, Aaron Rodgers at his peak is that quarterback that just makes everyone around him better. You know, you, you can afford to have lesser receiver, tight end, running back groups because you have Rodgers. And I wonder at this point in his career, from what you've seen the last couple of years, and then you look at who he has around him, is there enough from a skill player perspective that who they have in the backfield, who they have at wide receiver, tight end um, for this team to be as explosive as they want to be? I think that all comes down to the tight end position. You know, Rodgers really hasn't – he had Jared Cook, but a, a consistently – and Jermichael Finley really wasn't even, like, consistently dominant because he was always injured. But um, I really thought they would bite the bullet and, and throw the money down for Austin Hooper or Eric Ebron. I really did. But, you know, they're relying on Jay Sternberger, who was their third-round pick in 2019, uh, caught 10 touchdowns at A&M. He's going to have to show a lot. He, he didn't catch a pass last season until the playoffs, missed the first eight games, and I think that is the key X factor in this offense. Like I said earlier, they showed they can get by without Devontae Adams, and with him, I think he's a top three, top five receiver in the league. Uh, their backfield got better. They drafted one of the best running backs in the country in Boston College, is A.J. Dillon, in the second round. So now they have Aaron Jones, who led the league in touchdowns last year, playoffs included, Jamal Williams, who tied for the team lead in touchdown catches, and A.J. Dillon. So it's clear they're going to be a run-heavy team, um, but they're expecting big jumps from Sternberger, their tight end, and then also Alan Lazard um, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, guys who kind of popped up in spurts last year but didn't really show too much consistently. Um, I don't think as of now, as of what we know now about his weapons, they have enough to make that jump because the, you know the, the Saints go out and get Emmanuel Sanders the 49ers go out and in, in, in addition to Debo Samuel, get uh, the Arizona state receiver, Brandon Ayuk in the, in the first round. So the Packers didn't really do much in that regard to, to level the playing field with those guys. But as you said, Aaron Rodgers can make everyone around him better. And I think Packers might be counting on that more than anything else. Yeah. And Matt, I'll leave you with this. Um, you know, you mentioned that Rodgers didn't necessarily think the the gap between them and the 49ers was that big. I, I think a lot of people in Chicago believe that the gap between the Bears and the Packers isn't that big. And when you look at the Packers kind of standing still this offseason to key positions, which you just detailed, there's a thought that, all right, in Chicago, getting Akeem Hicks back, Khalil Mack fully healthy, um, if they could just get more stable, consistent quarterback play by adding Nick Foles, that the offense could take a jump. We don't know if anything that's going to happen, but that's the thought that that's the path to the Bears rebounding and maybe the Packers regress a little bit because they just sort of stand mm-hmm. still. So where do you think that gap between those two teams is right now? And I'm guessing you don't think the the Packers are going to go 13-3 and again in, in 2020, that they're going to take at least some, some type of step back. Right now, the Vegas odds are interesting because I think the Packers are at nine wins, at least over-under. The Vikings are at eight and a half, and the Bears are at seven and a half. Yeah, I, I would – the prediction I've made in an earlier story, I, I think the Packers are going to go 10-6. and six. I think, you know, they got almost every possible – uh, bounce in their favor in terms of winning close games and injury wise, aside from Devonte Adams and just the, the law of law of averages, that's not going to happen again this year. I still think they have a good enough team with their quarterback, Aaron Jones, Devonte Adams, the Smiths, Jair Alexander to win 10 games and make the playoffs, but not, not 13 and three. I don't think the gap between the Packers and the bears is big at all. I mean, you look at what happened last season that mess of a game in week one, that could have easily gone the Bears' way if Trubisky doesn't float that one into the end zone for Adrian Amos. And then the Bears are one successful lateral away from beating the Packers on, on their home field. 
both of those games could have easily gone the other way. And that's saying the same for a lot of Packers opponents last year. I mean, like I said, they did not hold a lead for a single second against the Detroit Lions that last year, walk off field goals both times. I think Robert Quinn's addition to the Bears, I think that'll pose some problems, especially because the Packers lost Brian Bulaga in free agency. Um, you know, David Bakhtiari is still one of the best left tackles in the game, but Rick Wagner, the, their new right tackle, who is the Lions' right tackle, ha- isn't nearly as good as Brian Bulaga, I think. So I don't think that gap is by any means big. And I certainly, Packer fans won't like me saying this, I would not be surprised at all if the Bears finished ahead of them in the division, especially if they get better quarterback play. Uh, if Foles or even Trubisky is that guy. Very interesting. I think you just made a lot of our listeners very (laughs) excited about the upcoming football season. (laughs) I'm trying to grow my following base outside of Green Bay. I got to say what I have to say. (laughs) What's this Packers guy know about the Bears? I was going to say, though, you're making yourself pretty popular here in Chicago. The, all our all our listeners need to follow Matt Schneiden on Twitter. What is your Twitter handle, by the way? I know I follow you, but I don't have it up in front of me right now. It's just my name, all lowercase, no spaces, no no nothing. There you go, at Matt Schneiden on Twitter. You should be following him. You should be reading his work on The Athletic and The Athletic app, same place you can listen to this podcast. You're our guy up north on this podcast, Matt. Thanks for jumping on with us again. Appreciate thanks, it, man. guys. Thanks. There he is, Matt Schneidman, who covers the Green Bay Packers. And some interesting comments there, guys. I think I think we sort of um, have been seeing it th- trending that way here. Uh, we, I mean, we've kind of had those conversations, but it sort of means more when you hear somebody who's around the Packers every single day saying some of the similar stuff. Yeah, what, what he said about Robert Quinn and you know Brian Belaga's absence, and you know I, I forgot that they signed. The, the offensive tackle, you know, from, from the lines, like you, you forget things like that because you get so obsessed, you know, with us from covering your own team, and everybody gets obsessed with following their their own team. That the Packers, as good as they were last year, I mean, they had some holes that needed to be filled, didn't fill them. Everybody is is angry up there about the, the Jordan Love decision, and, and there's just a lot of weight now on you know this this young head coach to use Matt's word to, to navigate what's been built for him, you know, by his GM. This is a situation created by the guy he's working with, and he's a young head coach dealing with a big ego quarterback with with this unique situation that he's got to learn to navigate now. At the risk of overvaluing free agency and draft picks, we've seen over the years teams that win the offseason don't necessarily mean they're going to win during the regular season. I think you got a legitimate battle in this division of which team actually improved the most. When you look at personnel and you're you know, talking about that Packers draft and looking at what the Vikings Alliance did, and obviously we talk every week about what the Bears have done, you know, none of these teams necessarily had one or two moves that make you kind of go wide eyed and think, wow, this team's going to make that jump this year, which is good news for the Bears that the teams around them, at least on paper, didn't necessarily seem to get that much better. And it starts with with the Packers, that they just didn't, you know, they did not believe. I am curious, and this is kind of what I was getting at with, with Matt about the, the pieces around Rodgers, is how much of the Jordan Love pick and then not taking a wide receiver is the Packers saying, you know, we know more about our wide receivers than you guys do, and we think we're going to be okay. That did not work for the Bears in the tight end position last year. But, you know, maybe maybe Green Bay, obviously they think they have something in some of those younger receivers. I guess, but that's always a dangerous road to go down. I mean, you can certainly overtrust your own scouting, your own development when there's when there were other guys available there. And, what, and it wasn't just there in the first round. Like the fact that we talked for months about this being the deepest wide receiver draft ever and they didn't take any. I think is what was extremely surprising, and that uh, it, that anxious kind of kept building day, you know, each day of the NFL draft up in Wisconsin. And I'm fascinated by the schedule, guys. It's not just the first three weeks, but they play. Uh, if you include the two two games against Minnesota in their first eight, six out of their first eight games are against playoff teams. Um, if I have this right. Maybe I'm off by one, but I'm including Tampa Bay in there at a road game at Tampa, with all, which all of a sudden with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski looks uh, like, like a, a, a tough test. You go to Tampa, to Houston, to New Orleans, to Minnesota, 
And again, they got to go back to San Francisco where they looked so bad last year. I guess my point here is the first half of the Packers schedule is extremely tough. You you talk about Aaron Rodgers and these things kind of going in the wrong direction if there's any type of frustration. The Bears and Packers don't play until November 29th. What is that game even going to look like then if, if the Packers struggle through the first half of the season? Yeah, and let's not forget what... You know, Matt was saying about their defensive struggles. You were saying like they got San Francisco. You know, they got Tom Brady to deal with. Like, yes, they won the off season last year with the two pass rushers, and those guys proved to be great signings, right? But like then, the Forty ers run all over them. Like Matt said, there's concerns about the the inside of their defensive line, and you know that there's there's some concerns maybe in all three levels of that defense. You know, you know, you know overall, and you know, I, I just want to mention this this analysis I did. You know, with with the athletic over over the weekend, and I just wanted to to use it to to show the point that you know what maybe the Bears aren't that far off, and their defense still carries weight. Like the, the over the past three years, right? Teams that finished in the top ten in scoring, like the majority of them, like seven out of ten in the past three seasons, have all made the postseason. If you have a top ten scoring defense, with the playoffs expanding. You know, by by a team in each side, you know, a good defensive team with concerns of quarterback like the Bears have a good shot at sneaking in, especially if the the division, again, with the Packers, is kind of muddied and there's no clear favorite and everybody's kind of beating on each other. Nobody's pulling away with outside divisional wins. Look, I don't think it's crazy to think that the Bears can sneak up and, and have meaningful football games in late November and December, especially if the Packers are struggling against those teams that you mentioned, Adam. Yeah, I, I wonder too, John Z, if this being the 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 strangest offseason ever, that teams with really good defenses are going to benefit if offenses take some time to really get in a rhythm quarterbacks take some time new playbooks and and that might be a a problem with the bears too the bears might take some it might take some time if this playbook looks different you have a different starting quarterback but i think that a team like the bears who's returning as many veteran defensive players as they are you know they always say defense travels you know i think that could also matter for a season like this where we just don't know how much practice these teams are going to get before they have to play a real game A lot of unknowns right now, but we're trying to break it down as best as we can in the last week of May uh, with all these different variables, and uh, it was great having Matt Schneidman come on. Yeah, I'll I'll say this. like Just talking to Matt, I'm looking forward to not only going around the division, but talking to... I think we're going to try to preview every single team. Not preview, but at least go through every single team on the Bears' schedule, you know, using the, the, the athletic writers across the, the country here. So looking forward to hearing, like, what the headlines are, what other narratives are out there, because people freak out about the Bears here. Oh, they're going to go 3-13, and 13. you know, who's going to play quarterback? But a lot of teams have concerns, a lot of concerns about their rosters at this point. In, in the yeah, they do. Um, interestingly enough, OTAs would be uh, starting up this week. And there's going to be sort of OTA availability going on. And John, should we tease Thursday's episode? Is that, is that okay yeah, to do? Let's do it. I'm really excited yeah. about this. Uh, we have a special guest coming on Thursday in a podcast I've wanted to do for a really long time. Olin Krutz is going to be here on the Hogan Johns podcast. And we're kind of calling this Offensive Line 101. You know, we're getting into some Bears stuff too. Obviously, he does a great job as an analyst on NBC Sports Chicago and on the score too. Um, but if, even my own admission, as much as I've tried to learn the game of football over the years and analyze it myself, offensive line play is tough to analyze. It is tough to know what's supposed to be going on. And of course, Olin Krutz, one of the best centers of all time, probably should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's going to come on and what I hope help us and our listeners learn more about what we should be looking for when we're looking at offensive line play. And then, of course, we'll have him talk about the Bears, too, and uh, the Bears offensive line and some of those things. But I'm really excited to do this this podcast with Olin Kurtz. So that is coming up later this week on Thursday. Whatever you do, do not miss that. Offensive line is one of those positions where you, you never really notice them. When things are going well, but you always notice them when what the Charles Leno said at once, like when when their house is on fire, yeah. you know, just when when things are going haywire and the mistakes are made. And with the Bears having serious concerns about their offensive line, and with everybody coming back, but one guy in Kyle Long, 
Yeah, major topic going into the 2020 season. And Olin and I have gotten out. He's come after me on Twitter a couple times for you know just missing a thing here or there when I'm talking offensive line. So, uh, and I appreciate that because he certainly knows way more than I'll ever know about offensive line play. But that's why we're having him on the podcast, and uh, we're going to try to learn some things later this week. So you can look for that. In the meantime, um, you can look for Kevin Fishbane retweeting Adam Johns' stories. If uh, you retweeted it a third time, I believe they call that a hat trick in hockey. So um, you can look for that at Kate Fishbane. I'll give Johnsy credit, too. I had a story last week about a baseball trading card game that Johnsy probably had never heard of before, knew nothing about, and he gave it several retweets. I did. Exactly. I did. That's it. You're on a a roll, John. Good teammate. We are. We are good teammates. We We got a good, good thing going. Good teammates, and uh, this was a good podcast. I hope uh, I hope everybody enjoyed it. It was good having Matt Steinman on. Always interesting to hear about what's going on with Packers, and we're going to do that with some other, uh, certainly NFC North opponents, and, and maybe go beyond that as well here on the Hogan Johns podcast. Any final thoughts, boys? Nothing, man. Looking forward to talking to Olin Kruitz down the, down the road. Looking forward to talking to all of our athletic writers. Looking forward to this nice weather here finally in the Chicago area. My final thought is I've a, I just realized there's a picture on my desk where I do this podcast from for my wedding, and I see the back of Hogue's head. In the picture? In the picture. So whenever I just look past my computer, there's Hogue's head. You're always, you're always right there near uh, me. How did you see it past Patrick Finley's head? Patrick is actually one to his right, so that's how Hogue was able to come through. Uh, where, where's our friend Patrick Finley? That's awesome. No, am I, big, am I dancing to uh, the Backstreet Boys? In the- uh, it is during the horror. You are clapping oh. while Patrick Finley is, you know, in tr- part of one of the people holding my wife's chair up in the air. So, really thankful she's still here and, and yeah. did not get, did yeah. not get I, injured. I was going to say, absolutely, yes, very thankful. <laughs> that would have been uh, that w- that that would have turned the day very quickly. Um, all right. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S, at Kevin, at K Fishbane's, where you get Kevin Fishbane's thoughts on Twitter. Read those two guys on The Athletic. Check out the oral history, the Hawks, Canucks rivalry, uh, and the uh, the baseball cards as well with Kevin Fish. I actually honestly have not read that yet, and I'm looking forward to that because I have a ton of baseball cards down in my basement, and I used to love that stuff. So, uh, you should check that out as well. NBCSportsChicago.com is where you can find me. And again, we'll be back Thursday with a big podcast with Olin Krutz. Looking forward to it. We will talk to you then. Uh, Where's our friend Patrick Finley?